Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you are always meant to be on. Hey everyone, welcome back. I appreciate you tuning in. As always, we have another awesome show for you today. Really enjoying bringing on these guests to talk about their W-2 prison break story and how they were able to, to break out and share their insight. Today we have Dr. Pernay Parikh. He's a medical doctor, works in the hospital, but he's also a, a, an entrepreneur. He's got a real estate business. Uh, he's a podcast host. He's uh, created an online course. He helps doctors launch businesses. He's got a mission to help 10,000 physicians start a business, not necessarily in, in real estate, but to follow their passion. It's going to be a, a really, really great episode. Really looking forward to diving in here. Enjoy the show. Pranay, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Hey, super excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely looking forward to diving in. I love your mission, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But before we do that, you're a doctor, you're an active practicing doctor, you're practicing medicine. So I'll just ask you, why did you decide to go into medicine? Yeah. You know, it's kind of the story. I was five years old and, you know, I have Asian immigrant parents and they always want us to be, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer. My dad is an engineer and I was never really good at physics or math, but science, I just really liked understanding how things worked. Right. And if it was biology, chemistry, it's just an understanding of how things worked. And then just being able to help people, you know, we had to go to the hospital a couple of times when we were younger and I just had such a great experience of people taking care of us, people being empathetic, sympathetic, and I wanted to be able to kind of give back in the future. And so really always had a mind on wanting to do medicine, but also, and we can talk about this a little later, is most people that go into medicine, just all they care about is medicine. You know, later on, they are interested in other stuff, but I always had a ton of different interests. So medicine was the goal, but I didn't want to have to give up everything else to do medicine. Yeah. Let's definitely dive into that a little bit further because you're definitely doing something else. And maybe when did you start to think about that? You know, as you started practicing medicine, what field are you in, by the way? Yeah. So I'm in internal medicine. Okay. I work as a hospitalist. So if you ever have to go to the ER and they say, Hey, you need to spend a couple nights in the hospital, then I'd be your doctor after that. You're the guy. You're the guy yeah. that comes in the room. Okay. Got yeah, it. exactly. So, yeah. So that's yeah. good to know. So when did you start thinking about some of your other passions that you have and some of the other things that you wanted to do? And what was your next move? Yeah. So, you know, I'd actually always did that. If you listen to the second episode of my podcast, it kind of goes through my journey. And most people think that a lot of successful people have this kind of straight line, especially in medicine, because there's a pretty well-trodden path to become a doctor. Mine was all over the place. So for example, I worked as a molecular biochemist in college. I worked as a 
oceanologist in college at Scripps Oceanography, which is one of the premier locations for doing that. I did in medical school, I did some art shows to raise money for Doctors Without Borders. And so I've just always been interested in other stuff, kind of in medical school and residency, I kind of had to give up some of that stuff, but eventually I was able to find it back. And actually I applied for fellowship, which is further training in medicine after I finished residency Mm -hmm. and I didn't get it. And some of the, what people said was like, yeah, your application looks like it's all over the place. Like it doesn't look like you have a singular focus on trying to get into fellowship. I was like, yeah, I have a lot of interest, you know? And I think that makes you a stronger doctor, but other people don't believe that. I agree. I don't have any experience in the medical field, but I think it's just important to have other interests and be well-rounded. And you definitely are. When you started to get into real estate, I want to talk about your mm-hmm. real estate business a little bit. We'll, we'll get to your podcast as well, because your you know your mission is just super awesome, as I had mentioned. When did you start thinking about real estate and maybe share with us like how you got your first deal? Yeah. So you know, once you become a doctor, you make a pretty decent salary, right? Probably 150 to 200. It's pretty good. And the thought is like, what do I do with that money to help it grow, right? Everyone puts it in the stock market, but I wanted something that had more control, right? And real estate really has created the most millionaires and multimillionaires ever in the US, right? Absolutely. So yeah, and I know you had a real estate business as well. And so I decided I wanted to buy one. And you know, a lot of times in business, you kind of look for your advantage, right? The advantage that you can have that other people don't have, right? And my advantage was my sister-in-law was a real estate agent and a really good one, right? So I found my first property. What I would do is there's something called MLS, which is basically a listing service for real estate. If you guys have a real estate agent, you probably have had them send you listings. So I had her send me listings and I actually work nights at the hospital. So for some reason, real estate agents always like to post their stuff in the middle of the night. So I sell property at like 2 a.m. I was at work. I texted my sister-in-law, 7 a.m. I went to go look at it right after my shift. I was in scrubs. I had it showered. I felt gross and sleepy, but I went to go look at it, put an offer down. And we were the first ones. After we had looked at it, a bunch of other offers came in even higher than ours. But because I was the quickest, they, they gave it to me. Nice. Now, is it a single family property? It's a four unit actually in Long Four Beach. unit. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. So maybe just talk a little bit more about that. I mean, that's being aggressive, right? Like you're an opportunistic, you know, you, you knew that the agents like to list in the middle of the night, which I don't think I ever knew. And then you just jumped all over it. You got the deal and talk about maybe the property. Did you have to do any work to it? Did you rehab? Did you turn it over? No, no, it was a great property. We had to do minimal renovations. The guy was, he was in construction. So he was doing all his own stuff. I had a property manager kind of handle everything. And it was great. You know, it was cash flowing right away. You can't really find properties like that anymore. And that's why I don't do active real estate as much. Right. Right. Yeah. This was a while back then. Yeah. Yeah. This was in 2018. I had just graduated first year. I had paid off my loans and I wanted to start investing. Awesome. Do other doctors feel similarly about their money or is it like singular focused on just, you know, practicing medicine? Yeah. And, you know, slowly curriculums in medicine are changing to add some more finance, but mm-hmm. financially speaking, most of us, we're like infants, right? Or maybe <laughs> elementary school because yeah. we have this big paycheck and we don't know what to do with it. And unfortunately, a lot of people will get targets on their back, right? So 
whole life insurance or you know these financial products that just have a ton of fees and don't make a ton of sense for doctors so at least in the beginning you know people should do their retirement accounts index funds and that stuff and after that they can kind of see what else is out there like real estate yeah which is like you said creates more millionaires than anything else in this country which is absolutely true let's talk about your podcast and your mission again your mission is to help 10,000 or launch 10,000 physician-led businesses. So you want to help other doctors start their own business. And that's what your podcast is about. So talk a little bit about your show, and I'm excited to listen to it. Yeah. So I've worked at a couple of different startups. So there's one called Passive Income MD that I would recommend to everyone for really financial literacy. And then that was started by Dr. Peter Kim, who's my partner. And we started Ascent Equity Group, which is a real estate company for doctors that don't have the time to focus on investing in real estate. You know, and actually you were talking about my last real estate property. And the reason I don't do it is because I spent hundreds of hours trying to find another property and I just couldn't find one that was good enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And all that time was just wasted. So we decided to keep, create a company that lets people invest in large apartment complexes, like 200, 300 units. You get economies of scale and leverage and all that stuff. So we created that company and it's nice having control of your life, you know, and we also created a physician accelerator called Leverage and Growth Accelerator, which teaches doctors how to start a business and give them the tools like, you know, newsletters and everything that's associated with businesses. And so the podcast is really to give inspiration and the tools to be able to start in entrepreneurship. Because in the starting, it's just hard to know what you want to do, right? You have a ton of interests. You've probably had a bunch of interests 10 years ago, and now you don't even know what you're interested in. So some doctors are really good at writing. Other people are doing products, you know? Yeah. And if we've seen anything in the past two years that more doctor-led businesses would make the world a better place, right? So we've seen all the vaccines and just a lot of stuff in healthcare that we think we can improve. Awesome. I love it. What's the name of the show? Yeah, it's called From MD to Entrepreneur. From MD to Entrepreneur, which is what yeah. you are. And let's give the site to the listeners where they can go, you know, follow the podcast. Yeah, it's simple from md.com. I'm actually super surprised I was able to get that uh, domain name. And, you know, we talk about simple stuff like that. Like you should go to Google domains right now and check if you can buy your name. Like I bought my name, I bought my wife's name, I bought my kid's name. I bought my brother's name. It's like $10 a year, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, so I bought my cousin's name and I gave it to him for a wedding gift, right? $10. But think about it. He's in marketing and he doesn't have his own website, right? It's like, yep. yeah. No, that's a great tip. It's 10 bucks to get a Google domain. And I got my name. I just had to insert my middle initial, but I was pretty happy with it. And again, it's $10 a year. And it, even if you never use it, you know, Someone Absolutely. with your name might come along years down the road and you know maybe give you ten grand for it. Who knows? But mm -hmm. the goal is to start a business, right? And you mentioned something super important, which is you really need to discover what your path. Not everyone's going to do real estate, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are. You want to discover what your passion is, and then you know try to build a business around that. But that discovery phase can be, you know, can take years because you don't spend the time to do it. So I just always encourage everyone is, you know, script it out, write it out. What lights you up? You know, what are you super passionate about? I firmly believe that you could build a business around your passion. You may not be able to replace your income, 
but by learning different ways to make money, i.e. investing in real estate, you know, or stocks or whatever it is, you can certainly at some point replace or exceed your W-2 income. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah Brian. And, you know, I have always told people, they're like, how do you find what you want to do or what you, where you want to go? I was like, no, I just do what sounds fun, what sounds interesting, and the money comes eventually, right? And, you know, a lot of times I know people are worried about working for free, but when I started with my partner, Dr. Peter Kim, I was working for free. I was like, he said he needed some help with his Facebook group. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm happy to talk to people. I'll post every once in a while. There's not really a ton of requirements. It's not like a job. Just did it here and there. And then eventually we created a seven-figure online course together and conferences and podcasts. And we created this private equity company, Ascent Equity Group, that is probably an eight-figure business already, you know, in like 16 months. So don't be afraid to reach out to people and try, you know, and a lot of times there's concern that you're going to waste your time. But so I have so many, I know you guys hear this podcast, you're like, yeah, this guy's pretty successful. I have so many failed projects, tons. There's like skeletons in my closet, half done projects. And like, for example, my blog, right? I was like, oh, this is my partner, Peter. He started a blog and he got very successful, eight figure business. It's like, I could do a blog. It doesn't look that hard. And I did it and it wasn't hard, but it sucked. Like every night the night before I would be like sitting like, what am I going to talk about? Or I'd have, you know, 50 headlines. I know exactly what to talk about. Mm. I just don't want to write. You know, I hate writing. I'm not a writer naturally yeah. and it's not something that gives me enjoyment, but at least I, I think I did it like, I don't know, like a couple of weeks, maybe like six months. Right. But now I am a, such a better writer, even though was, I canceled my blog, right? The quick story, I started a master's program and I forgot to submit one of my homework and the professor's like, hey, where's this homework? It's like, shoot, I forgot to send it in and I had to write it all. And I wrote five pages in like four hours, which is insane. Normally a five page paper would be, take me like a month, but because I had done the blog and I had to write under pressure, it had given me that skill. So even if you have something that doesn't work out, it's going to give you future skills and it'll kind of build on that. Yeah, that's a great lesson or great share, you know, to learn the lessons there. And and yeah, you know, sometimes we see people who are having success and it's like they just, you know, just roll out of bed that way, you know, and it's nothing could be further from the truth. We all have to, you know, attempt and fail and get back and not so necessarily fail, but just, you know, take steps backwards, you know, learn and have seminars. I always say that the only time you fail is when you quit. You know, that's the only time that you're ever going to fail. AscentEquityGroup.com. Talk a little bit about what you're doing there with your doctor investors. They're investing and you're finding the deals. Is that kind of how it's working? Yeah. So we have all these relationships that we've built up over time. Mm -hmm. And because we've placed a lot of money, a lot of equity, that they trust us because in the starting, it's very difficult to get these relationships. It's all handshake deals. Someone will come up to you and say, Hey, I have this deal. And you'll say, okay, I will bring you 5 million or 10 million. That person who comes to you is really sticking their neck on the line, right? Because if you don't get the money, they're screwed, right? They have to scramble at the very, they could lose the deal. A lot of times they have money, like a hard commitment, right? Money that they're putting into the deal saying that they're going to close it. And if they don't, 
that money's lost, right? This is significant. It's like $500,000, a million dollars. That's a lot of money, right? Sure. So we've done this. We just, we're about to close our seventh deal. And so we've been doing this for a while. So we find the deals, we vet them, we work with the sponsor to really optimize it. So we have lender connections, private preferred equity connections. And then most importantly, that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people that kind of raise equity and then they kind of disappear because they're on, they only make their money on the front end, right? So they go to the next deal, but we really follow the deal and make sure it's being optimized for investors. So for example, this is probably going to sound crazy to you. We do weekly property management calls. Like a lot of people didn't even have that set up for themselves and they had to set it up for us because yeah. we want to make sure it's optimized. Right. So if you're following things on a week by week basis, I don't do that for my own property. Like I couldn't care less. Right. But for something that's we're buying $32 million property, we really want to know if there's a change, right? We're doing monthly financials. We're going through all the numbers of the property, right? And then lastly, we're looking at the property, going to it at least once a quarter, right? And, you know, can't really hide anything at that point, right? And it's not that we would ever work with someone that we're worried about hiding anything, but we, you know, trust but verify. And the type of deals, the type of structure we do is called a joint venture. Mm-hmm. which it's more than just a partnership. It's saying that, hey, because we're bringing all the money and we usually bring up 95% of the money for the whole deal, we get what is called major decision rights where you get to decide small stuff, like what does the logo look like? But the big stuff, like the budget, you know, yeah. capital calls, meaning do people need to put in extra money into the deal? Are you guys in the deal all the way to the end or whatever the exit strategy is? Okay. And what type of deals are you, what class of asset are you looking at? And Mm -hmm. then is there certain locations that you like? Yeah. So we do what is called value add, meaning Mm -hmm. you go in, you renovate the units, right? And we think that's how you unlock the potential. We, in terms of asset classes, we do multifamily. So, you know, apartment complex you and I would live in, but kind of middle of the ground, not the high end. right? The ones that doctors live in, right? Not the low end, right? The ones that you really got to worry about crime. So kind of the middle ground, we go in, we renovate it, make it nicer. So it's value add, multifamily, and the class you would say, call it a B, right? So it's like the Goldilocks class, kind of in the middle, not too bad, not too good, you know? So then there's a lot of room. And we think that is really key right now because when there's a recession, people say, oh, you know, this house is maybe a little bit too expensive and they go down to an apartment. And if you're going down from a house to an apartment, you're not going to get the nicest apartment in the area. You're going to get kind of a nice middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's also those people who are living in a really nice apartment. They're like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be spending $3,000 a month on rent. You know, I'm going to go down to like 1500 So we kind of like that middle ground. Yeah, that's a great point. The A's go down to the B's, you know, mm-hmm. or I mean, sometimes even the C's or, you know, the C pluses. So awesome yeah. stuff. Maybe see, you're doing a $32 million deal, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So the deal is we have like two spots left. So it might even be full, but it's 312 units in Oklahoma. It was a 506C, meaning that I'm able to talk about it and kind of advertise it. So that's why I can give you details. Other deals are 506B, and it just means it's a different type of investment. One's not good compared to other. It's just 
a lot more paperwork on our end to get the 506C done. But so I'll talk about it just so you can get a general idea of what kind of deals we look at. So 312 unit Oklahoma City, it's with a sponsor. They've bought over $2 billion worth of real estate, exited over 1.7 average IRR, which is a return metric is about 22%. And the one thing we really like about this deal, it's a loan assumption and get this, it's a 2.9% interest rate fixed for nine years, nine. So that means we can write out anything that the economy throws at us. And to make it even better, it's four years of interest only. So that means we're only paying interest on the loan for four years and we hope to sell it in that time. So you know, because of our relationships and because that this is actually our sixth deal with this group, we're able to kind of cherry pick the best of their deals that we like. Nice. So the sponsor comes to you, you do the raise and, and you do your thing. So, and that's exactly. when you say you're not really, you're not active in the sponsor is, is actively managing the property. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And you know, what we do is kind of manage the manager. So, you yeah. know, that's why we're trying to make sure that they're hitting our numbers. And, you know, I like to think about it in medicine and entrepreneurship. Sometimes it's just better to get more eyeballs, you know, even if you have experts, having a couple extra eyeballs, just make sure that nothing gets mixed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have any other, that's great. I mean, you've done quite a bit in the last 16, 16 months, you and your partner, Dr. Peter Kim, you've mentioned him. And any other interests or ventures that you're taking on that you haven't shared? It sounds like you got a lot going on. Yeah. Starting six months ago, I joined an NFT crypto company and we mostly focus on consulting. So trying to help Web2. So, you know, pretty much every company out there switched to Web3. So right now it's taken kind of a hit as has everything, but I really think the future is with technology. So let me give you an example. A lot of people are like, oh, NFTs, that's weird, right? But have you ever bought a football ticket or baseball ticket, right? And been one secondhand, especially you're like, is this real, right? A lot of people get scammed, but if you buy it online on the blockchain, then you could know for sure, right? Or are you an artist that sells your works, right? After you sell your work originally, you don't get any piece of that, right? But as an NFT, you can put in what is royalties. So anywhere from two, two and a half to 10%. So anytime someone buys or sells your work, you get a 10% cut. That's pretty sweet, right? I mean, if you created it, I think you deserve a little bit of it. Or do you have a membership group, right? And you want to be able to find out who's a member, who's not, right? And you want to assign a value to that membership. So there's this one membership called Proof Collective, and it lets you go to live events and all this stuff. And there's only a thousand available, right? So over time, it's worth more and more, right? And then anytime it buys or sells, the original company gets a royalty. So they've made tens of thousands of dollars from royalty and it just goes back into the membership. Yeah. The whole NFT thing is mind blowing to me. So it's um, I'm glad that you explained it. And yeah, tons of opportunity tons of opportunity there, right? Coming up. And then you mentioned crypto as well. It's not something I invest in personally. I just don't understand it, but you know, it's definitely an opportunity. Yeah. And uh, you know, maybe 15 years ago, someone was like, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Sears CEO. He's like, who would buy anything online? Right. And now how ridiculous does that sound? 
pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Since the last, I don't think I've seen a seat. The Sears is in the tank. So yeah. Renee, let's talk a little bit about, I got a couple questions for you. Mm -hmm. You're obviously very successful, did it in a short amount of time, but you've really been this way. It sounds like since you were five years old, you know, when you had this dream, this vision to become a doctor, what would you say? Do you have any habits or routines? I don't want to like, you know, talk about morning routines necessarily, but do you have anything that you do on a daily basis that really drives you towards success? Yeah. You know, I have for years and years tried to be a creature of habit mm -hmm. and, you know, try to do like, you know, getting stuff done and trying to do all these operating systems. But a lot of the reasons that I have been able to be successful is because I have been able to be creative. And so I actually specifically don't schedule stuff on certain days at certain times. So I can just sit there and be creative. And in addition to that, I consume a lot of stuff. So I consume like 30 to 40 hours of podcasts. I read a ton of articles. And that's because I really think that the disruptions, the innovative ideas come from outside of a certain industry. So for example, Uber, they weren't taxi pros. They weren't taxi experts, right? They saw a problem and they went for it, right? And Airbnb and all these companies, they came from someone outside of the industry saying, hey, why do we do this a certain way, right? And or like Apple or all these companies. So I try to consume things from different sources, right? I read a lot of architecture stuff. And so like Johnny Ive, you know, one of the head designers for Apple used to be in architecture, you know? So I try to leave time for creativity and then read from sources outside of really my main industries, which right. now actually the industries I'm in are pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super important. I'm glad you brought that up, allowing time to be creative, you know, and let your creative juices flow. It's all in us. And, you know, a lot of us don't do that. And for me, it's writing, you know, I like to journal, I like to script stuff out and just, you know, let whatever's inside of me out, you know, even if I'm never going to use it, at least it gets out you know, on paper. So that's a great share. And then consuming, you know, you're doing a lot of reading and podcasting and just consuming content and constantly learning and, you know, working that brain muscle. Do you believe, or do you have coaches and mentors? Is, is that something that's part of your life? Yeah. And this is something that I have really tried to go for this year. So, you know, especially with our equity company, you know, we have, so someone told us that we're, raising, you know, university level money with kindergarten level systems. So, you know, we kind of just go out, we get on the phone, we're like, hey, we have this really good investment, but you can only scale that so much, you know? I mean, nice thing is I almost always pick up the phone. So people, people are surprised. They're like, oh, I thought I'd get an answering machine. I was like, no, no, I'm here. But there's emails and automations that we don't necessarily need to do, right? So, you know, if someone signs up, they should be able to do things automatically and they don't necessarily want to get on the phone for that specific thing. So our thoughts are, you know, I could figure it out. There's an active campaign course or all this stuff. And that's how I have been in the past, but it would take me, I don't know, 20, 30 hours to watch the course and with all that stuff. So yeah what is my time worth? Right. So I think a lot of us, and I know a lot of your listeners are W2s, right. And they haven't really actually even calculated their dollar per hour. Right. So easy thing to do, take your annual salary and divide it by 2000. Right. So if you're making 50,000, you know, you're making $25 an hour. 
right? And so on. So, or take your hourly salary and multiply it by 200. 2000. Yep. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I literally shot a YouTube video on this exact topic two days ago. So it hasn't Sweet. gone out yet, but just breaking down what your hourly rate is so you know your worth, right? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of it is for outsourcing stuff. You know, if you find, if you make a 50 grand a year, that's $25 an hour. Well, anything that's $25 an hour or less, you need to hire that out. Yeah. And that's your hourly wage. If you want me to do more work than the works I'm scheduled, you're going to have to pay me more than that, right? That's right. I, I'm not going to work if I'm making 25 an hour and you ask me to do more work, you got to be paying me like 40 or more, right? Yeah. No, great. I love that. Absolutely love that. And by the way, for everyone listening, if you're doing that calculation, if you want to make a million dollars a year, that's 500 bucks an hour. So if you break it down to the hourly, it doesn't look like, well, how am I going to make a million dollars a year? Well, look at the hourly, like look at the hourly, right? Charge your worth. I know you're consuming a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you read or is it mostly podcasts and articles? Because I, I just, would just like you to share anything that you think would be valuable to the audience in terms of what you like to consume that you could share. Yeah. So I do mostly articles. I find that in books, it's full of a lot of fluff and it's good fluff, right? Like you can't just have like most like say like getting stuff done. You could probably get that in like couple pages, right? But you need yeah. the fluff, you need the stories to help cement it, right? I like articles because you only have a couple pages to get what your intent is kind of across, right? Mm -hmm. I do like books, but it's just, it's hard for me to consume as many, but that's something I've been working on as well. It takes a long time to read a book, right? So you can get a it lot does. of stuff yeah. in, an ar in an article for sure, yeah. or, you know, Audible. Yeah you, can, yeah, you can't see my library, but it's like, probably 300 books and like 280 of them have not been read. Have not been read. Okay. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get yeah. there. I just want to mention the website one more time for your podcast from md.com, which yeah. you, know, you, you were able to grab that off of Google. Awesome. Do you ever plan to stop practicing medicine? Yeah. You know, people are surprised by how much I actually practice. So I do 0.8 full times, 10 to 12 hour shifts. I used to actually, when I started all this stuff, I used to work double full time, right? Because, you know, in the starting, as you know, you've started multiple businesses, you don't make much money, right? And usually you're lucky if you kind of break even and you're three, you're two, you know, depending on what business you have. Fortunately for our Sand Equity Group, we were in the black like right away, you know? Yeah. So I used to work a lot and now I'm down to 0.8. I'll probably do like 0 0.6, 0 0.5 to 0.6 by the end of the year. But I'll probably practice at some point. The problem is, it's you want to practice enough so that your skills don't rust, right? So I'm going to have to try to find that balance. Yeah, it sounds like something you still like to do and you're passionate about. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah follow your passion. So all right, before we, I got one more question for you. You know, it might be too early in the game to ask you this, but you know, Based on everything that's already happened in your life since you, you know, became a doctor, would you have done anything differently up to this point? No, that's a great question. And, you know, I think a lot of times we think about our past and we're like, oh, you know, I wish I would have done this differently. And a lot of times you just cringe. You're like, oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. Right. Yeah. But then I look at my life right now and I'm very satisfied, very joyful with what's happened. And you know, old me had to make those mistakes and mess up and 
learn those lessons for me to be where I am. So after I cringe, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's kind of sad, but like, or frustrating, but you know, I had to go through those. So I actually appreciate all the good and the bad. So yeah. That's a very enlightened answer. And I'm glad I asked you because a lot of the times I'll get, well, I wish I would have started sooner, you know, and you're content. You're happy right where you are. It's supposed to be right where you're supposed to be. That's great. Pranay, this has been tremendous. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to see if you had any final thoughts, anything you wanted to share that I didn't get to ask you that you wanted to leave us here before we wrap up. Well, you know, especially with doctors, what we do a lot of times is like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. Let me go research all the different mics I can get. Let me go research. And then you get in this like this black hole or this treadmill where you're just looking up more information. You're getting another book. You're getting another conference. You want to just get started, right? There's, and I'm sure you've talked about this in the past, but there was this study where there was this pottery class, right? And he split up the class in two groups. So one, they said, you're going to have a final project, get started right away. It's one you know, ceramic piece, this pottery, just make it the best you can. Right. And then another one, it says every two days you have a project that's due, right. And make sure you get your pottery done. And at the very end, you're going to do a big project. So thoughts on who did a better one. It's the people that did a new one every day, right. They had more iterations. I promise you your iteration 50 is going to be better than your first one. doesn't matter if you had a million hours to do that first project. It's just, you don't know what's going to stick. You don't know what you're going to like. And also you evolve over time. I know this is your second podcast. And so it's not because your first podcast wasn't good. It's just different, right? And you pivoted and you found that out over time, right? And I'm sure this podcast is way better than your last one, just because you have more reps, right? You've done better. You now you know what questions to ask. You're smoother. You're just more insightful, right? And so just get started, like record. Like if you're starting a podcast, for example, take out your AirPods or whatever microphone you have. Don't even worry about getting one from Amazon and interview your wife, your husband, your spouse, your brother. Just start interviewing people. And I promise you in a month or two, you'll be pretty damn good. That's great insight. You don't need much to start a podcast. It's pretty darn easy. Your phone, you know, you can sit in your closet if you need a soundproof or, you know, a good sound quality, but just record, just record. You know, the experts say that about YouTube too. It's not about the equipment. It's about what you're saying, right? Like the content and imperfect action, you know, beats perfect action every time, right? Or not taking any. So, just do it, I think is the message that you're given, which is a great one and you know, a great way to wrap up this episode. I really appreciate you sharing your insight today, your valuable time. And you know, I learned a lot and I'm looking forward to checking out your show. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you back on again, hopefully. And everyone, thanks for tuning in. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 Prison Break. Here's to you busting out.